Welcome to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in relationships, we grow in discipleship, and we grow in Jesus Christ. In this series, we're studying the Decalogue, 10 Words for Our Living. These are the Ten Commandments that shape the way Christians live, a word that has not been abolished but fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join this study as we take a commandment each week and see the way God has intended for us to live in fellowship with Him. Subscribe so you don't miss a single Sunday. Exodus chapter 20. You may have noticed a theme in the music this morning. It's one of the wonderful ways in which I appreciate our, our worship team and, and you know Terry and Lila looking to keep us on point to unify our worship. We're continuing our study of the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, ten words for our living, and we're finding out that there's so much more than just a legalistic claim over our lives. Uh, we're learning that God is doing something profound. God, Israel's Redeemer, is meeting with Moses... Israel's mediator amid the lightning and the smoke, even fear, uh, to deliver a revelation of himself. And so that's how I want us to look at what we're reading this morning is a revelation of God. We, we look to these Ten Commandments, God is revealing His will, His standard, his character and his plan for his people. And this he accomplishes, we know, through Jesus Christ. And so I, we're going to be looking at the third commandment today, the name of God. And I'll just begin in uh, verse 1 and read the first seven verses of Exodus chapter 20. I welcome you to stand with me as we read from God's Word this morning. Remembering all the fire and the smoke and the the context in which God gives His law, God spake these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Father, we come to you this morning. Indeed, it's in your name. God, we pray that you would count us worthy to bear your name this morning. That none of us would be guilty of taking your name in vain. That you would show us what this means, that you would reveal the, the ways in which that we have been careless in our own lives. But Father, more than this, that you would reveal yourself. 
that you would bring us to a place in which we're not just obeying a legalistic command, but Father, where we come to know you because of your word. God, we ask that we bear your name rightly in our worship, in our study, and in our prayer. Lord, that you speak fully through me despite uh, my infirmities and sin. Lord, that you would glorify your name in us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. For those of you that are visiting with us, I'll be following the brief outline that's provided on the back of the bulletin. And our first point is just as we break down this command of taking the against taking the name of the Lord in vain, we've got to ask, what is in a name? Names are pretty important. One of the very first tasks given to Adam after the creation was naming God's creation. An important task. This God created and Adam was to name what God had created. That's a special place for us in God's creation. A number of historical figures, indeed biblical figures, are often marked by strong or at least defining names. And the name that they were given, even from birth, we can relate to this looking at our own name or what it means. And I'm just going to confess to you, when I was pretty young, I was pretty, pretty proud to learn of a man named Wolfgang Vance. He's the, the last supposed dragon slayer Amen. to have existed. Amen is right. And I only supposed that he had the sort of courage that I have, you know, because of our name. But we often give serious thought to what we're going to name our children. Um, we spend all kinds of time, search the internet, look at books. Uh, we, we, you know, look through the Bible, search the Bible for names, or, or look in um, our, our own family history for how we might represent, how we might imprint our child with their first marker of identity. And it was the same for us. I can remember whenever Rachel and I found out we were going to have our first child and we spent a great deal of time. It wasn't natural. We really wanted the name to fit. And, and so we landed on one of two. If it was a boy, it was going to be Jaden from Nehemiah 3.7. You may not realize that's a biblical name. It means God heard. And we were going to pair that with Alan which is what, a six-generation name or something like that, Dad? Several generations. We had it. That was it. We had also, at that very time, said, well, if we have a girl, it's going to be Naily. It's actually Cherokee for love. My great-grandmother was full-blooded Cherokee. And Elizabeth, another generational name from Rachel's side of the family. We held on to that Girl's name for over eight years and almost named a dog or a fish that, but it had gained importance to us and God blessed us with a daughter finally. But I want to tell you, when we come to discuss the name of God, there's something far greater at stake because 
We don't give God His name. Uh, God has a name. And He gives us His name. And here we read God gives a command regarding His name. And so we've said before these commandments could very well be viewed in order of priority. One, two, and three. Or at least we have to admit that each command is foundational for the one that follows it. And in this one, when we come to the name of God, we know this has something to do with the way that even Christ has interpreted these commands and summarized them in the way the first and greatest command is to love the Lord your God. That has something to do with it. These are vertical. These first few commands are vertical commands. How we relate to God. Here, we see that God cares about His name. There's a number of realizations that we've got to consider this morning. I want to look at four of them. Those are the ones listed in your bulletin. First is the holiness. God's name is to be revered. Psalm 8.1, David says, How majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 29.2, he says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory do His name. We're instructed to pray in Matthew 6, Hallowed be thy name. The name of God must be treated as God. It's one and the same, for God even says in Isaiah 48.9, For my name's sake, I defer my anger for the sake of my praise. I restrain it for you. He is concerned with the holiness of His name. The next one is power. Look, the fact is that His name yields power. That's obvious throughout all the Old Testament. We could really spend a day looking through the power of His name, but I want to point you to the New Testament. This is where the power of His name is explicitly displayed. And what I actually took the care to turn our Bible here to Acts 4.12, the one we often memorize, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I didn't include in my message. It reminds me of Romans 1. It's the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You remember Philippians 2. Because this name of God is intrinsically linked to the name and the work that He would do through His Son, Jesus Christ. God has bestowed on Him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And yet knowing the name of God, it's not simply given to us as some tool of power. As the editors in one dictionary of biblical imagery said, knowing His name means to be quote, in harmonious relationship with God's character and purposes. And so we want to look at the relationship. Knowing God's name solicits action. His name is to be blessed 
praised, exalted, magnified, glorified, rejoiced, exalted in, thanked, hallowed, feared, loved, remembered, proclaimed, declared, waited on, walked in, desired, and sought according to the Scriptures. It's the name of God. This name is the name that God gave Moses and we remembered uh, even, uh, it's been some time ago that we talked about the actual exodus, the events uh, leading up to Israel or Hebrews being freed, the people of God being brought out of the land of Egypt. What began this saga of miraculous interventions of God was God calling Moses and giving him his name. This four-letter word represented in Scripture by four, by the capitalized L-O-R-D in the Old Testament was in place of that name, Yahweh. Remember, you've got to have the spittle there for the Hebrew. Uh, but they wouldn't even speak it publicly. They replaced it with Adonai, Lord, uh, for fear that they would misuse it. The very fact that God has revealed His name to us, it connotes relationship. The fact that we have the name of God, He's commanded us that it's to be on our lips. We're supposed to take it somehow. It means that we have come to know something more about God through His name. And there's this very identity is exposed to us The invisible God gives us His name. Now it's clear from the second commandment, which Brother Chad spoke on last week, that God uh, does not want to make Himself known to us through any creature or any likeness of anything. It's true that God has actually made an image of Himself in man. As a matter of fact, He sends the Exact imprint of His nature, Hebrews tells us, in Christ. God desires to be known by His name. Not to be defamed with a golden calf. You see, it wasn't a simple idolatry. But it was the fact they made a golden calf and then called it by the name of God. That delivered them out of Egypt. What an insult. The name of God must not be taken in vain. The Lord says, Exodus later on, in Exodus 34, 14, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. His name reveals something to us. His name tells us about the character of God. There's much we can learn about God just in studying His name. And yet that is not all that we're given in this passage. Now we know something of the name of God, but that is not the command. Shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. There is danger in vanity. That word vain means something like empty. Uh, The purpose of the command is not simply concerned with degrading the name of God or making it derogatory. It's not just the one who's rebellious or who hates God, but it's anything that falls short of the glory and the reverence due His name. To treat the name of God as if it's devoid of worth or value is this taking His name in vain. 
carelessness. You can quickly see the carelessness of the name of God is to take His name in vain. To be careless with the name of God is to empty His name of all the glory and majesty and worship that is due even to God Himself. So of course this speaks to our flippant OMG captions on social media or how it is that we speak normally and surely that is offensive to a holy God. And really there's little difference in a carelessness or an accidental handling of the name of God and being outright blasphemous. And so that is the second point. Really the further point that I want to look at under that is being blasphemous. This, listen to the charge against such a one. Coming from Leviticus 24, 16. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner as well as the native. When he blasphemes the name shall be put to death. That's interesting. I didn't realize until I was going again through my sermon this morning, that when we come to that event of David slaying the giant, it was no courageous act of heroism. He was the only one who was faithful, who was being obedient to a command to stone the visitor or the native, anybody who's going to defame the name of my God will be put to death. Goliath, that's you this morning. God values His name more than you can imagine. More than your life. Even our redemption comes for His name's sake. Not because of our intrinsic worth. It's the name of God that gives us value. And so I'm not sitting here proclaiming that we put to death our Facebook buddies. but to say that it's no light matter and that God will surely hold us accountable. And it should require discipline, maybe church discipline. So far we've talked about the name of God and this risk of vanity with regard to His name, but I want to make a few connections that really draw us in to what it is God's doing, how it is He's revealing Himself. And that is in the fact that He says, Thou shalt not take the name. We need to discuss what it means for the Christian to take the name of God. More than just talking about the, the handling of His name, we need to talk about the implications of taking His name. There's much more than cleaning up your potty mouth in this commandment. The name of God is given to us. We possess the name of God. And from this point in history in which God is, is, is giving a commandment concerning the name that He not too long ago gave explicitly to Moses and to His people, He knows where He's going with this. He knows the plans that He has for His people. He issues a covenant that's going to be fulfilled in another covenant that comes in Jesus Christ. 
We know that we're called by the name. Even Israel is said to be called by the name of God. And now fast forward some 2,000 years or however long it was. Probably closer to 4,000 years. How is it that we're baptized? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is the one God that we worship. We're baptized in His name and under His authority. The disciples didn't come up with a cool name for themselves. Uh, Acts 11.26 says, And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Christ makes all this sure when we come to the book of Revelation in chapter 3, verse 12. He says, I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Even at the close of the book in 22.4, and they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. To bear Christ's name is to share his authority, protection, identity, It entails responsibility and risk. Even at times, dishonor and persecution. We are persecuted for His name's sake. As Christians, we're truly reunited in the name. And so there's a few areas in which this is important. First is reverence in speech. No more flippant speech. Curb your tongue or cut it out. So we don't offend our good and gracious God. We need to get rid of every likeness of every kind of evil. No more gosh or geez. We had a little talk about that recently, didn't we, boys? Nothing that alludes to something that is flippant or pretends to mishandle His name. We need to be pure for His possession, taking the name of, of God and, and of Christ, we put away every evil. We need to relish in the unity of God through Christ. We've been given His name. We're called by His name. We're marked with His name for salvation. Now listen to this. The Christian cannot simply, they, they, they just cannot profane the name of God without also profaning themselves. What's more is, The Christian cannot profane themselves in any way with any sin without also profaning the name of God. Look at that again. Christian, you can't profane the name of God without profaning yourself. And you cannot profane yourself in any way without also profaning the name of God. We seek a purity of heart that understands what is accomplished by His name through His Son. You might even think of fidelity in marriage. The wife takes her husband's name joyfully and is faithful to him and serves him. Let us be faithful and pure as we take the name of our heavenly bridegroom and await his return. There's one last way. And that is that we are worthy in Christ the way that we obey this command to not take the name of the Lord in vain 
We've got to include our bearing the name of Christ. Paul exhorts us this way, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. In Ephesians 4.1, the risen Lord says to Paul, for I will show him how much he will suffer for the sake of my name. In Acts 9.16, Jesus warns that we'll be hated for his name's sake. In Matthew 10 and 24. This name. This is the name that is hallowed. It's the name that will bring us oppression in this world. And glory in the next. This is the name that's above every name. It's the name that we worship. It's in whose name we pray. It's the name that if you're a Christian, you take upon yourself. By it we're sealed. And brothers and sisters, it is the only name that saves hope that you know that today. That we are looking to nothing else. Father, we oh God, how can you count us worthy of your name? Father, sometimes I think we forget That in your word, in your law, in all of your creation, you desire to make yourself known to us. Father, I pray that this morning, if, Lord, that if nothing else, we don't walk away soap in our mouths, but Father, we walk away in relationship. Father, that we desire for the coming of our bridegroom. We take your name joyfully. That we represent you. Father, that, that you would just protect us in this name, we, we take your name, even, even in baptism, it is because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Help us to trust you. Father, Lord, let us be representatives and let us be, let, let, let us walk in faith. Let us make our decisions. Let's look at, at, at viruses. Our brothers and sisters who are sick and are not here this morning, those who are exhausted and we know have been caring for relatives faithfully, let them rest in your name and properly just depict the work of Christ in them. Lord, as we think about the politics in our country, 
Lord, this disgusting politics within our churches. Father, we would remember your name. Lord, let us be people who are not fearful to speak the name of our God if only for the reason that you have purified us by the Son that we may bear the name of our Lord and our Savior and our God in good conscience. Lord, that you would have your way in us. Father, that your name would be on our lips this week. And Lord, that we would glorify you in our actions, in the discipleship within our homes, within our workplaces. Father, your name will be glorified. We pray that it is in us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit us on a Sunday to see how you can participate in the ongoing work that God is doing at New Life Baptist Church. Where we grow in relationships, we grow in discipleship, and most of all, we grow in Jesus Christ.